video montage of current events that have taken place in really just the last several weeks of this year. And everything that you just saw was really communicated to us by the mainstream media. And obviously anything that we know or that we learn or knowledge that we have is really all based upon communication, isn't it? And so that being said, let me just take a side journey. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But how many of you have little children? Anybody in here uh, uh, that are still in school? Many of us do. And maybe many of you families that have had children that are grown now. Uh, I find it interesting that as I uh, interact with my children during the school year, my children will come home and they'll have uh, homework. And, and really the thing about it is, is that my children are really, well, they're entering into the second and the third grade this year. But last year they were in first and second. And they would come home and they would say, Mom, Dad, we've got some homework and we need some help. And so they would sit down and we would begin to try to help them with the homework. And the weird thing is, is that just elementary homework, I found myself struggling to help my children. They would bring home a math problem and I would say, how do I communicate this to my child? Now, I can look at it and say, I know the answer. But obviously there is a language by which they're communicating to our children today to make it simplified so that they understand. Does that make sense? And so when you think about it, just concerning our children or things that we know, there is a language of math, right? Anybody take math? Anybody hate math? <laughs> Many of us, I did okay in math until a certain point, but you know, there's, there's basic math, there's pre-algebra, algebra, there's geometry, there's trig, there's calculus, and it goes on and on. And the higher you go, the more difficult the language of math gets, right? Well, then there's our science, and there's a language of science. If you've taken English, there's a language of English. If you drive down the road, there's road signs, and therefore, based upon the language of the, that, that, that's communicated to us, we know how fast to drive or what's coming up ahead or what exit's coming down the road, right? So everything that we learn is communicated and is communicated by a specific type of language, if you will. And therefore, God has a way, or I should say has a language of communicating to us. The language that God communicates to us is one through the help of the Holy Spirit. It's been documented in the Bible, but that language is called prophecy. Are you here this morning? I said God's language is called prophecy, and prophecy is simply the foretelling or making aware of what is coming down the road. Now, it's not fortune-telling, but God had a way to always let us know. You remember in the Old, Old Testament, the Bible spoke of the prophets? The prophets would foretell, and they would give explanation to or warn as to what was coming down the road because of God's concern, God's care, God's faithfulness, and God's love. And so, therefore, God still speaks to us today and is wanting to communicate in the language of prophecy. And all through the Bible, the Bible is expounding and telling us things that are coming, things that are going to take place, things to warn us of what is yet to come. And if you think about it, the Bible tells us Jesus said that I'm coming to receive my church, my people. And he said there are going to be signs in the heavens and in the earth below that begin to tell or speak or there's going to be a language that communicates to you of my soon and coming return. Can you say amen? amen. 
And so all those uh, video clips that we saw were significant things that are taking place right now under our nose and that are happening, happening at a more rapid rate than ever before. And all those things that we see are re- really prophetically uh, a f- prophetic fulfillment of what Jesus was going to that Jesus said was going to take place. Now, if we're not careful, there's those that would say, well, those are just the things that happen. It's just Mother Nature. But Jesus told us, and He said, there are going to be things that are going to be taking place that really is a language or a way of communication that I am coming very soon. Aren't you glad that Jesus said that there's a way for us to prepare and to get ready? I'm so glad because it really expresses the love in the heart of God. And Jesus said this when he was speaking to his disciples. If you remember, he said, it's imperative that I go away. He said, I come to do a specific job for the forgiveness of sin for all humanity so that they could have everlasting life, that they could come back into a relationship with God once again. He said, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to help you and teach you along the way until I come back. He says, oh, yeah, I'm coming back. He said, and what I'm doing right now is I'm going to prepare a place for you. He said, if it weren't so, I wouldn't have told you. And in fact, he said, there's places there, or he said, where I'm going to pre- pre- prepare for you is I'm preparing mansions and a place for you to live. Aren't you glad that he's preparing a place for us? Now, I don't know about you, but uh, uh, I've got a modest home right now. But when I get to heaven, my mansion's going to be bigger than yours, okay? <laughs> I've already put my order in. <laughs> But he said he's going to prepare a place for us. Now, for many of us, we think, oh, dear God, what does that mean? That the world as we know it is coming to an end? Yes, but it's not for us to be afraid. God says, I've gone to prepare a place for you. And he said, the whole reason that I'm doing this is because I, God's heart, God's purpose, my purpose as the Son of God was to have a relationship with you, to know you intimately, and to have a relationship where we were walking in perfect fellowship. And so therefore, this life that we know has never been what God intended. But he said, I'm preparing a place and there's coming a time where I come and get you and we're going home. Now, once again, I realize for many of us, we hear that and say, I've gotten real used to and I like this home right now. I don't want to leave too soon. I remember as a young man, I used to say, I'm not married yet. I don't have kids yet. I want to experience life. Jesus, don't come yet. I said, God, there's ministry that that we want to do. Don't come yet. I'm not ready. It wasn't that I wasn't ready personally with my heart with Him. It was just I wanted to experience life. Let me tell you, I've experienced life. And I'm ready. (laughs) Come on, anybody. I'm ready to go home. Not that I'm looking to escape, but I'm just saying I know that there's such a better life that we have. And it's going to look a lot like this. You might think, well, what's that going to look like? It's going to look a lot like what you're living right now, but it's perfect. No sin, no guilt, no anger, no sadness, no sickness, no disease. It's perfect. And we get to walk every day with Jesus. Come on. I like hanging out with you. I love hanging out with my wife. But I can't wait to see Jesus face to face and to say, God, I just want to talk with you. And he says, come on. Jesus, I want to play golf. He says, come on. i got a good course over here. Come on. (laughs) Right? And so Jesus said there are things that are going to come that are going to foretell. In fact, his disciples, they said, How will we know at your coming? What will be the signs that let us know of your return? Now, obviously, they were looking for his return very soon. And little did they know that there was much that needed to be filled prophetically or things that needed to take place for him to come back. But every generation has been looking for him. 
Way back when, hundreds of years ago, at the time of the disciples, there were things prophetically that were not fulfilled yet. Therefore, Jesus could not come. But now those things have been fulfilled and His coming is at, at the doorstep. It's the time in which He's getting ready to come. And so I'm going to share a lot of Scripture with you. In fact, for the sake of time, you might want to just write them down, jot them down, write them down. You'll see them up on the screen. But just to simply give us some illustration. Now, let me just say this to you. You're going to hear some things. And, and much of what I'm reading to you is the words of Jesus. Do you know what color they are in your Bible? They're red. And so if you see red, it's Jesus speaking. I know oftentimes people get mad at me and say, Pastor, you said. Listen, if I'm quoting what's in red, it's not what Pastor said. It's what Jesus said, all right? So don't get mad at the messenger. So anyways, in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 3, it says, Tell us when, these, or when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that, you're not, that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. Verse 6 says, And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. And all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Did you see much of what we just read there on the video screen that was documented by ABC News and all the other media branches? Now, again, we've had those things before, but it is happening at an alarming rate. We didn't have in there, we, we didn't have the ability to put the most current, and that is just the Iran Treaty and all the things that are going over in the Middle East right now. But that is all part of what Jesus said was going to take place. But he says, Don't let your heart be troubled. So, in other words, for us, the church, I'm telling you, these are times that we should be able to rejoice and say, Jesus is coming soon. I know it's real easy for us to say, oh dear God, it is getting dark, it is getting uh, horrible in this world, and yes it is, but for the church, it's getting better. I said for God's people, it is getting better. And the reason being is because God is letting people be aware of what it is to be a child of God. God is always wanting to take care of His kids in grand style. And in these dark days, the Bible says that we are the light and therefore those that are going through the hardships of life in the end of days that we're talking about, the Bible tells us that they're going to begin to look to us because God is going to take care of us, the church. Aren't you glad that you're a child of God? All right, in Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 37, it says, But as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man be. Now let me just stop there to define what the days of Noah was. If you remember, obviously God sent a flood in judgment of the wickedness of the earth. It says that all of humanity was wicked except Noah and his family. And it says that even the children's thoughts were wicked. Do we see that in today's culture? Where children's thoughts are even wicked. And he said, so therefore, he says, it will be as in the days of Noah. Verse 38 says, for as in the days before the flood, there were eating and drinking and marrying and giving of marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So notice what it says here. It says, everybody was just living everyday life going through the motions, just living and existing. And it says the flood came and they were caught unaware. They saw the thing happening right in front of them. 
but they weren't aware until it was too late. In Luke chapter 17, verse 28, it says, Likewise, as it was also in the day of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Again, they lived life. Verse 29, But on the day that that Lot went out of Sodom, speaking of Sodom and Gomorrah, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed all of them. Even so will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Do we see that our world today is looking a whole lot like Sodom and Gomorrah again? And he says, this is a sign. This is a sign. In Luke chapter 21, starting in verse 34, it says, But take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with, with carousing, with drunkenness, with cares of this life, and that the day come, and, and that day come on you unexpectedly, for it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Notice what it says here. It says people are just partying, having the life of, of Riley. They're, just, they're living a life of folly. Therefore, as a result, it's living life for themselves. It says don't be caught unaware or being bogged down with the cares of life. Do any of us feel that now? I feel that. I feel the, 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 the weight of the cares of life. And the Bible says don't get distracted. How many people do we know that are just living for self and he says as a result this is a sign and at the coming of my return many will be caught unaware because I come when people are basically sleeping are you following me this morning the Bible also says this that we don't know the day or the hour but Jesus made a very significant statement he said this he said you know what it is to see the day and recognize that in the day, the dawn starts to come, and you know night is coming. The sun begins to rise, you know morning is coming. He says, you know the seasons of fall and winter and summer. He says, you're able to identify those seasons of the change that's coming. He says, why are you so dull to not recognize or know that signs will show the season of my coming? So God never intended it for us to be unaware he never intended for us to be caught to where we're, we're, we're sleeping. He says, there is going to be a language of communication, prophecy that is being fulfilled, things that my word has already foretold. Therefore, based upon what you hear, what you see, and what you can know, I will purpose to prepare you for my coming. Now, once again, it is not just for the sake of us being prepared for His coming. It's for us to be prepared to try to help those that are sleeping, that are in the dark, that still don't know, don't know Jesus. Amen? That's our purpose. Now, just to kind of help you along these lines, to give you some things that, that have taken place, or just in regard to that language of prophecy to begin to help uh, uh, set the landscape of His return, there's many things that the Bible has talked about, and I'm going to give you some, a list of some. This isn't an exhaustive list, but some significant things that, that God has spoken of that said were coming that we have seen just to give us an indication that we are at the coming, at the threshold of Jesus' return. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, you don't have to turn there. I'm just giving you that, that scriptural reference. But first of all, number one, we see that in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, it says that there will be a knowledge explosion. 
that this is a sign that will take place at the coming of the Lord. Does anybody recognize that we have had a knowledge explosion with just in the last 50 years? Sure we have. In fact, think about it from transportation. Just at the turn of the last century, they were still in horse and buggy. But in less than 100 years, there has been such mass transportation. In fact, within just the last uh, 50 years, transportation has been elevated at a whole other level. You can get anywhere around the world, plane, train, automobile. Again, there has been such a massive explosion in the knowledge of transportation. What about communication? There's been a massive explosion in knowledge of communication. Remember, there was the Pony Express. Then there was the Telegraph. Then there was the telephone. Then there was the Internet. Right? And now we have cell phones. When we first started our first church in 2001, cell phones were just kind of coming around. And I said, you know what? I would not buy one of these things unless I had to because we needed one for, for a, a, using it as an office phone. And so I bought our first cell phone in 2001. My, where they've come. Do you remember back in 2001? In fact, if you go back down to, to the late uh, 90s, they were like massive things, you know. My wife had one of those. She thought she was so cool. Had a bag attached to it, you know. Called it a bag phone. It's just because she was a, just a wild kid and her dad had to keep tabs on her. So he says, you keep your phone in the car. I said, well, I can get old here. <laughs> no, just teasing. She was, she was a good kid. <laughs> But you, are you following me? If you've had a cell phone for any length of time, have you seen the knowledge explosion in a cell phone? Now we walk around with little computers in our hand that have an app for a phone. Right? So again, knowledge has exploded. What about medicine? Medicine, the knowledge of, of medicine has exploded as well. Just over the last few decades, we've had the ability to treat. We've got the ability to prolong life as a result of the explosion in the area of knowledge. Number two, there was or is the rebirth of Israel. If you remember back in the 1940s, the, uh, we, we see that it was prophetically spoken in Matthew chapter, uh, was it 24 or uh, 30? Uh, yeah, 24. Matthew 24, it speaks of Israel being rebirthed or coming a nation again. Now, once again, it was in the 1940s that Israel became a nation again. And the Bible says the generation that sees this take place will see the coming of the Lord. So therefore, if you saw that take place in the 40s, then in your lifetime you will see Jesus come. For those of you that were saying, well, I wasn't, I wasn't even born yet, then you're even in better shape. We will see the coming of the Lord. That's how close at hand Jesus is coming. And it's because of the language of the Word of God that has been communicated to us. We are in that place and in that time. Number three... There is the birth of nuclear warfare. In Zechariah chapter 14, verse 12, it gives us a description of what that was. Now, once again, when you think about prophecy, oftentimes it's given in the form of picture, but because they were unaware or not knowing what that looks like, they only were able to describe what God showed them. And so it speaks of the individuals where their flesh melted off their body, that their eyes and their tongues were, were melt in their sockets. Those is, that is a perfect description of an atomic or nuclear warfare. There is such intense heat with a nuclear bomb that it melts the eyeballs out of the sockets, the tongue in their mouth, flesh melted off their body before they even hit the ground. Once again, having the ability of nuclear warfare. Number four, universal deception. 
universal deception. The disciple says, what are one of the signs that we'll know? He said, be careful lest you be deceived. Many will come in my name. And in the day in which we're living, we're seeing that evil is called good and good is called evil. Again, there is a universal deception that is taking place. Number five, the Bible spoke of Jesus. said there will be famine and pestilence. Well, once again, you might say, well, we've seen this time and time again. Sure we have. But what is a pestilence? What does that mean? What is it defined as? It's simply a medical, physical disease that modern medicine cannot stop. The greatest minds in medicine have said that the bird flu is coming to the United States. It's only a matter of time. And they said, and we are not prepared to stop it. And when it comes, there is going to be massive loss of life. Once again, we're seeing it. Now, once again, this isn't just in the area or in the realm of, of, of humanity. We saw in that video clip that by the hundreds of thousands, birds and animals are just dropping dead. Why? We don't know. But it's a sign of the time. It's prophecy being filled. It's God articulating to us saying, these are things that I'm purposing to speak to you so that you're not caught unaware, caught sleeping. Number six, Jesus said that there will be earthquakes. Once again, we've had earthquakes throughout all of humanity. But it's only been within the last 20 or in the, in the 20th century that we have seen it escalate to an all-time high. And just within our lifetime, we are seeing earthquakes happen more at a, a rapid rate than ever before in just the last few years. Does anybody remember a tsunami that just, what was it, uh, 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 was it Singapore? Again, uh, um, Japan, J Singapore, I, I know it hit uh, uh, Manila, or, or the Philippines rather. What takes place? There's, there's a shift in the, the plates of the, of the earth, basically an earthquake out in the sea, and it creates a tsunami, and all of a sudden water comes and engulfs the landscape of the land and kills multitudes. Again, it's a sign of the time, of the days that we're living in, in the end of days. Does that mean that earth as we know it, or I should say that the earth is going to be destroyed? No, the earth will always be here. But the earth as we know it, is going to be destroyed. And God said He's going to recreate that. And so once again, these are the signs and the times that we're living in. Number seven, there is the creation of international television. This is a sign of the time. How do we know? The Bible says over in Revelation chapter 7 that in the tribulation period time, that when, when the church has been raptured, when Jesus has come to get the church, there are going to be two witnesses that come, and it says that the entire world will see their murder. Well, how is it that the entire world could see them being killed? Fifty years ago, that was impossible. But through satellite TV, through Internet, through all that we have through the technology of television nowadays, you can see a particular event, and everyone around the world can see it at the same time. Those are the days that we're living in. And then lastly, number eight, the Bible says in Second Peter, it says that there will be scoffers, those that criticize, those that come against, those that believe in Jesus, believe that He's coming for us, believe in, 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 in salvation through a cross that Jesus hung upon. There are going to be those that mock you and say, you're a fool, you're crazy for believing in all that stuff. Has anybody ever done that to you before? Maybe all of us. Maybe you've made a life change in your life of getting things straight, getting... Excuse me, getting priorities in your life, and therefore, as a result, those friends that you used to hang around, they said, Well, you're just not any fun anymore. You used to be like this. You know why they say that? 
because they feel the own con- their own condemnation in their own life saying, I need something to make me feel good, but you seem to find joy and happiness in this Jesus that you found. But they'll come, come against you and say, well, you're just not the kind of person. You're just not fun anymore. No, it's just that they feel convicted. Do you know what I'm saying? And so once again, we're going to find that coming in these days. What about the signs in the heavens and the earth below? Anybody hear about these blood moons? Yeah? It's only happened three times in the last 500 years. And they're all falling on Jewish holidays. It's symbolic. It's prophetic. There were two last year. There was one just a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I guess it was. And there's one that's coming in September. Remember the scripture says that the sky turned to, or the moon turned to blood? Right? It's prophetically or the language of God speaking to us that I'm coming. I'm telling you what, watch after this last blood moon in September. Isn't it interesting that they know exactly when it's coming and it's going to fall on the Jewish, Jewish uh, 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 Feast of Tabernacles? And watch how the world shifts after that last one. Why? Because it's what God spoke, spoke of. Anybody hear about the, the North Star just being seen, the Star of Bethlehem, just a matter of a few weeks ago? Did you ever? It's like, really? We heard about this star over Bethlehem that they followed to find Jesus, and you think, wow, wasn't that significant? It happened just a matter of a couple weeks ago. It was three planets that aligned. It was, let me find it here. The planets, the planets, uh, let me get it. Uh, there it is. Jupiter, Venus, and Nebulus, all king planets that aligned in such a way that it created this star that shined so bright right over where Jesus was. Now, through the laws of planetary motion and through the power of our computers, they have been able to document and find specifically when the last one was. If they can find when the next blood moon is coming to the T, they've got the knowledge, they use the same knowledge and rewind the clock. You know when the last star of Bethlehem was, was, was noted in history? 2,000 years ago. It's a sign. You may say, oh, that's coincidence. Well, those are people that are sleeping. But Jesus said, there is a language that I'm going to speak to you so that you become ready for those that need, need, need me, need help, and you're going to be my, my tools. You're going to be my voice piece to help them. And the last thing that I'll make mention of is the Iran Treaty, something that has just happened last week that is all prophetically falling into place where these Middle East countries are coming together. And again, it is all strategic to where this culmination of what, what the Bible speaks of in Ezekiel chapter 38, the Ezekiel 38 war of what is prophetically coming at the culmination of Jesus' return. Come on, we're living in awesome days. I mean, it, it is so outstanding that it's almost like it's sci-fi. But this is the God that we serve. He loves us so much that He's given us the ability to know the time of His com- coming. And Jesus said this. He says, lift your head your redemption draweth nigh. So in other words, what he said, he says, lift your head up, look around, pay attention, because when you see these things, I'm close at hand. Come on. He could be coming in the next year. 
He could be coming in the next two years. He's, there is so much that has taken place. He could come this afternoon. My question for you is, are you ready? Have you ever talked to anybody and they say, well, I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready to ask Jesus into my heart. I'm not ready yet to make a life commitment to serve Him. When Jesus comes to get the church, He removes His presence. He removes the Holy Spirit from the earth. If we cannot follow God, if we cannot find Jesus, if we cannot serve Him now when we've got the help of the Holy Spirit, don't think that after He comes and gets the church that you'll be able to do it then. Because your help of the helper, the Holy Spirit, is no longer there to draw your heart. It's only fear. It's only terror because of what is at hand. You know, the Bible talks of those that would be beheaded. Will you take the mark or will you choose to be beheaded? Oh, I could serve God. I'd make a stand. I would say, yes, I'll have my head cut off. If you can't serve God now, don't think you're going to have your, have your head chopped off for Jesus back or in that time. Come on, are you here this morning? Jesus says, I love you. I care about you. I sent my son for you. I want to know you. I want to live life with you. And I'm telling you when I'm coming. Now you might say, why is this so significant? This is talking about intervention. In our intervention series, some of it was getting real, real about topics that are pertinent to our lives. They may not be easy to hear, They might be challenging our faith, stretching our flesh and our emotions, but it's important and it's pertinent because of the time that we're living in. And once again, just so that you understand my heart. You may say, Pastor, why do you do the things that you do? Why is it that you put an emphasis? Why why are you so bold to talk about some of these things? The Bible tells us, and again, for the sake of time, you can write it down, but in Matthew chapter 24... The Bible speaks of two men working in the field. And he says, one will remain and one will be taken. He said there will be two women that are grinding grain. And he says, one will be taken and one will be left. He says, people will be caught unaware. That tells us, folks, listen, this is really sobering. That tells us at the coming of the Lord, at best, 50% of humanity will be taken home where the rest will remain. I don't know if you've got friends and family that if they died right now, they'd go to hell. I don't know if you've got family and friends right now that if Jesus came, you may say, well, I'm okay. What about them? Do we want them to miss? Do we want them to spend eternity in hell? Do we want them to receive Christ? That's why we put such an emphasis on what we do. Because people need Jesus. Jesus is coming. Over in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 12, the Bible speaks of the ten virgins. And it says that they all took their lamps for the coming of the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus. The bridegroom is coming for his bride, and the bride is the church. And it says, five of the ten brought oil for their lamps so that when the bridegroom would come, they could serve the groom. And it says five didn't bring oil. And as they were all waiting, the Bible says that they fell asleep. But then all of a sudden they were awakened. It says the bridegroom is coming. He's coming. He's coming. They awoke. The Bible says they trimmed their lamp wicks on their lamps. 
And the five that did not have oil said to the five that had oil, said, Give us some that we may light our lamps for the, for the groom. And the five said that had oil says, No, if we spread it out, then we all won't have enough. Go and buy oil for yourselves. As they went to buy oil for themselves, the bridegroom came and locked the door. And the five that had no oil were left behind. What's the point? There was ten. Only five made it. Fifty percent. Now there's some significant things there in regards to the bridegrooms that had the oil. There is the anointing oil, if you will, or the oil of gladness. There's the oil of service. And that's what they came to do was to serve the groom. Why do we serve people? Why do we put an emphasis in getting involved? It's all about serving people. Do I question, do I apologize for wanting us as a people to get involved? Not at all. Because people are going to hell. We need to love them. We need to serve them. We need to help them. We need to do it with joy. Why? Because people that are walking through these doors, there are people that are coming in that say, I need hope, I need help, I need love, I need Jesus. And if we're saying, well, I don't want to serve you because I'm about my own life, I'm caught up in the cares of my own life, then what do they do? They end up missing out because we're not ready. But the Bible says that they serve the groom. The time is short. The language of prophecy has been getting us ready for His coming. I don't know if you've sensed it in your own heart, but there is such a stirring in my heart that Jesus is coming soon. Almost to where it's frustrating because... There's natural life that needs to happen. But then it's like, God, there's so much work that needs to be done to reach people. You find yourself having to do chores at the house and you're thinking, God, there's so much to do around the house, but there's so much to do for you. You follow what I'm saying? The time is at hand. You hear us talk very strongly about the family concerning your children. Why do I talk so strongly about us as parents having children, bringing children to church? Because Jesus is coming. I don't know where, you're stand, where your children stand, but once they have the ability or reach an age of accountability of knowing right from wrong, they have the ability to make the choice of sinning or not sinning. And sin separates from God. Therefore, if they have a choice, then they have the ability to receive Christ into their life and begin to serve God. Now, once again, I'm not standing in the place of judgment concerning children or how old children need to be. I'm just simply saying it's so important for us as family, as parents, to say the time is at hand. Jesus is coming. I don't want my kids to miss. I don't want my family to miss. You may say, well, how come you're so strong to say certain things? What if it offends I'd rather tell somebody the truth and offend them for the sake of being so nice that they never hear the truth. You know what I'm saying? I'm not talking about offending for the sake of offending. But I'm simply talking about... In fact, look at Jesus. Do you know how many people Jesus offended? But His whole motive was love. Was to love people. To come and serve them. And so we're standing in a great time and a great period of Jesus coming soon.
God is going to meet us right where we're at. God is going to meet our faith. I believe that this church is on an upward trend of growth, of maturity, of seeing God move. Do you realize when it comes to church being able to expand and do things, it's based upon revenue oftentimes. I just believe that increase is coming financially to Genesee Valley Church that we can begin to move on beyond what we've ever done before. And you may say, well, what does that look like? That means you being prosperous. Because if the church as a whole grows and multiplies and increases, that means you do. Because you're the ones that make it happen. I believe that God's going to begin to do things in your life. That your hunger, your desire to know Him becomes so infectious that people just begin to talk to you and say, what's different about you? And we can say, Jesus. Amen? I want to commend you this morning. You guys can take the stage. Take them out. I don't know if you noticed anything different about this morning in our worship. But as a pastor, I listen for things. I listen to how you're engaging. And this morning, you engaged. You worshipped differently. More. More intently. God loves that. And the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. That means He comes and He settles down right where we're at. If we'll purpose to lift Him up and magnify Him, He'll lift up you and magnify you. Amen. Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed, for those that would be watching online, this involves those as well. But if you're here this morning and there's a hint or a concern if Jesus was to come today. You don't know the hour in which He's coming today, but He's coming. Do you know that you would make it, that He would receive you, that you would go to heaven without a shadow of a doubt? If you're saying, I hope so, then I have concern. If your response is, well, I think I would, then I'm concerned. Because you don't have to hope, you don't have to think, you don't have to wish. You can know emphatically. If you feel like you've fallen out of fellowship with God, all you have to do is say, God, forgive me. God, become real again in my life. And make the choice to follow Him. If you're here in this place, and you said, I've never really made Jesus the Lord of my life. I've never confessed Him as my Savior. You may say, I I believe in God, but believing in God does not get you to heaven. It's confessing that Jesus is your Lord. That's the only way. For He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through me. Then friend, today, you can know that you know that you know. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up front. Every head bowed and every eye closed. 
But if you're in this place today under the sound of my voice, and if you've said, I've begun to see the language of prophecy being fulfilled in my day, and I want to be ready, I want to know that I know that I know. And listen, there is no place, there is no time for you to be be prideful and say, I don't want pastor to see, I don't want people to know. Listen, it is life in death, it is eternity in heaven or hell. And so I'm begging you, I'm pleading with you, if you don't know, then please respond to my invitation today. If you have any inkling, a shadow of a doubt that today would not be your day, would you please raise your hand and I'm going to pray. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can put them down once you put them up. Amen. Anybody else? You say, I want to know that I know. Amen. Now listen to me. We're going to pray this prayer. And once you pray this prayer, if you've meant it in your heart, then don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Don't come back next week and say, well, I had a bad week. I better make it right with God. Today's your day. Today you said, I've made Jesus the Lord of my life. Now, upon making Jesus the Lord of your life, there's a walk to walk, but it's a daily process. And we'll walk it together. Mistakes, mess-ups, trip-ups, but we're doing life together. Let's all pray this prayer together. Dear Heavenly Father, I say I'm sorry for messing up, from turning away from You, from doing my own thing, from rejecting You. Today, this day, I ask You to come into my heart Be my Lord. Be my Savior. I confess Jesus as my Lord. I believe that You died on the cross, that You rose from the grave on the third day. And today, I declare, You're my Lord. You're my Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Come on. Jesus is Lord. Amen. If you prayed that prayer online, contact us. We want to know. We want to welcome you into the family of God and give you materials that you can begin this journey walking with Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's walk the journey together. Amen? Just real quickly, can we just worship God before we leave? Amen.